The show you love with even more local, local news and more local talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Monday afternoon as we begin the broadcast week here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, Mike Douglas with you, always privileged to serve as your concierge for conversation. And uh, the first thing we want to address is I'm thankful, and I hope you are too, that it looks like temperature-wise anyway, it's not going to be as hot as last week. The news always seems to be hot, but at least the temperatures may not be as hot as, uh, as last week. In fact, uh, I'm told uh, that things are going to start winding down at uh, the Stanislaus County Emergency Operations Center uh, today. In fact, the last I heard, they're going to be uh, deactivating the Emergency Operations Center today about 5 o'clock for the extreme heat event. And uh, the cooling zone locations in the county are returning to their normal operating hours uh, today so that's good did you know however that at the end of last week uh, governor newsom signed a couple of bills dealing with extreme heat mm-hmm. ab 1643 by assembly member robert rivas democrat out of salinas is going to create an advisory committee another committee Mm-hmm. in Sacramento that will inform uh, a study on the effects of extreme heat on California's workers, businesses, and economy. Now, heat in California is not a new thing. And I'm guessing there's, and I don't know how much money this, this is going to take, I'm guessing that probably you and I could come up with a couple of bullet points on the effects of extreme heat on California's workers, businesses, and economy because we're probably involved in at least one or more of those uh, three aspects of our California society. Anyway, another advisory committee can't wait AB 2238, also signed by the governor. This authored by Assemblymember Luz Rivas, out of uh, Democrat, out of Arlita, will create the nation's first extreme heat advance warning and ranking system to better prepare us ahead of heat waves. I thought that's what the weather report was for. Isn't that what we have on our smartphones now? We have, in fact, I'm opening mine up right now. And it's telling me outside our clandestine Mike Douglas show studios, it's 92 degrees, which is a cooling trend (laughs) compared to last week. And let's see, I'm I'm looking ahead here. Uh, Tomorrow, the high, 83, Wednesday, 81, Thursday, 80, Friday, 83, Saturday, 81, Sunday, cooling down, high of 74, and then next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, 82, 87, and 92. So, but apparently that's not enough, nor are the meteorologists that you may see on your favorite television news Nope, we need AB 2238 by Assemblymember Luz Rivas to create the nation's first extreme heat advance warning and ranking system. Can't wait for that one. I wonder how much that will cost. We'll have to check into that. And let's see, uh, there's uh, another bill by Joaquin Arambula. A Democrat from Fresno, again from the California Assembly. Another first-in-the-nation measure that directs the California Department of Public Health to review research on the impacts of extreme heat on perinatal health and develop guidance for safe outdoor conditions to protect pregnant workers. Hmm. I see. So on the one hand in California, 
we want to facilitate killing the babies inside the mother, the unborn babies. On the other hand, we have a new bill that's going to research the impacts of extreme heat on the unborn babies inside the mothers. Does that make sense to you? Seems like they're working at cross purposes there. I think probably we could go to any female in the state of California who has birthed a child and they could probably tell us the impacts of extreme heat on them when they're outdoors. I'm guessing. Now, I would not suggest you ask that question of a uh, mother preparing to give birth who's in labor because you're liable to be choked out. But uh, I guess at this distance, this is a... uh, The state of California legislature thinks this is a wise thing. So that's... And here's the, the next one, last one. SB 852, Senator Bill Dodd, Democrat from Napa, will allow cities and counties to create climate resilience districts with financing power to invest in programs that tackle extreme heat, drought, wildfire, and other climate impacts. Climate resilience districts. What in the world are we spending money on now? Well, there we go. So I'm I'm hoping that uh, you find that comforting or not. And uh, that you uh, that you just remember, November 8, 2022 is not too far away. And uh, therefore, depending on your opinion of these bills that Governor Newsom is signing and uh, signing and the uh, California legislature is coming up with, uh, perhaps that will affect your choices of how you vote come November 8, 2022. So there we go. It is, uh, of course, uh, we had just passed the 21-year uh, anniversary of 9-11. And uh, I know many of you maybe are, are a bit weary of rehearsing a lot of that, but I think it's worthwhile to at least revisit some things. Like, what did we learn from 9-11? How has 9-11-2001 changed our lives? And I'll give you just a, a for instance. My wife and I and our two very small children happened to be visiting San Diego about five weeks after 9-11-2001. And remember, prior to 2001, you showed up at the airport, you got your ticket in hand, you went up there and showed your ticket and got on the airplane and winged away. Well... We had gotten to San Diego, and we were about to return, and uh, we uh, were dropped off there at the airport. And I thought it was, maybe we had gone to the wrong place. I thought maybe we were at Disneyland, because there were lines of people out into the parking lot and beyond at the San Diego airport. And it was our first experience with the new regulations, and uh, it, it was a mess. took forever to get through security. And so it has forever changed the way that we fly. And I'm not, and the question is, has it helped? No, possibly. The other question is, does it go overboard? And I'll have some thoughts for you on that in a couple of moments in years uh after uh, 2001, we, we had some experiences like they pulled our, I think he was four-year-old, our, our son Joshua. We were on an international flight coming back. And they put him through, you know, scanning him down and putting his arms up. This little four-year-old doesn't look like a terrorist. Good night. But anyway, how do you, how has that changed your life? We'll think about that in a couple of moments. There, there's some other things we need to talk about in terms of changes in life. 
One of the things that are changing are mortgage rate increases. Yeah, they're impacting home sales. Wall Street Journal reports home sales are down on average 20% from this time last year. And there's only one agent I would trust with selling my home during a market slowdown. That man is Dan Phipps. Look, do you have a growing uh, family or you're working from home and you need more space? Well, listen, call the agent I trust and recommend. Call Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or Dan will sell it for free. His home selling program, it's designed to maximize your sales price. You're in complete control. No required costly repairs. No long-term contracts. And you pick your move date. Dan can even find you a new home before you move. Dalton in Oakdale knows about it. Says uh, he had a great house and planned on fixing it up throughout the years, but life got in the way. Dalton was in a panic because Dalton needed to move out of state, and the house needed to uh, uh, to sell at a decent price. Well, enter Dan Phipps. Dan was able to sell the house quickly for a great price. Get this without any repairs or upgrades. So call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend, and I would hire him to sell my own home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S dot com. We'll be back with the Mike Douglas Show, talk about the lasting effects of 9-11 on our lives coming up in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's more with the voice of the valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and streamed on the iHeartRadio app. Now, welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Been talking about the the effects of 9-11 upon us think of things like the the patriot act and uh, we're going to go to the phones very quickly 209-551-3483 and i'm uh, flying solo and unsupervised at the moment so i'll uh, call the last uh, two numbers of your phone number and uh, that will be your cue to tell us your name and where you're calling from so caller one seven you're on with uh, mike douglas here on the mike douglas show your name where you're calling from Yes, Mike. It's so good to talk to you. My name is Jenna, and I'm from Sonora. I've called before. And my my nature of the call right now is 9-11 was horrible. I was four months pregnant with my son. He's 21. But not only that, I just have a um, something for the people to be aware of on the student loan forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Last week, North Carolina Department of Revenue student loan forgiveness will be taxed. If you say you make $50,000, you get $20,000 forgiveness, forgiveness in student loans. You will receive a 1099 form. Will have and you have to add that twenty thousand for the forgiveness on top of your fifty thousand dollar earning a year salary. So you will be taxed as if you earned seventy thousand dollars that year. Federal government is double dipping. This will put you in a higher tax bracket. So um, the student loan forgiveness is bogus. The federal government is calling the student loan forgiveness as income. Yes, there, there I don't remember that. Last count, I think there were maybe 16 states around the nation that were going to tax mm-hmm. that, if I remember correctly. And yeah, so, and I'm not sure that, uh, I'm not sure a lot of people are, uh, are really aware of that. Uh, Jenna, you're right. Uh, I, I was I was blown away. I was talking to colleagues and they were like, I'm not going to get a student forgiveness. They're going to tax me on it and double dip into into my earnings. And they're going to call that earnings for a loan forgiveness. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking, by the way, uh, looking very quickly uh, the maximum likely tax liability since you brought the subject up. Arkansas, probably around five fifty. Hawaii, eleven hundred dollars. Idaho, six hundred dollars. Kentucky, five hundred. Massachusetts, five hundred. Minnesota, close to a thousand, nine eighty-five. Mississippi, five hundred. New York, six eighty-five. 
Pennsylvania 307, South Carolina 700, Virginia 575, West Virginia 650, Wisconsin 530. So uh, yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not sure people are really aware that that that, that may be an issue. No, uh, good good not. point. Yeah. Now you mentioned uh, you said you were pregnant. Did you say you were pregnant during um, 9-11? Yes, I was. I was about four months pregnant, and I still remember the moment that I got a call from my mom saying we're being bombed, we're at war, and um, my son is now 21, and he'll never know the life, the way things were before 9-11. And I also had postpartum when I had my son, because that had a lot to do with it. I know that may sound silly, but that was very traumatic for me because I'm holding on to my stomach saying, what, what did I do? What the hell did I just do? What, what am I bringing this child into? Wow. It's scary. Yeah. Jenna, thanks for the call. Appreciate that uh, very much. And uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, it's one of those things where, People say, well, you know, I can always remember where I was when I got the news and and such. I, I think the more, can I use the word traumatic, issue for me is what we've had to endure in terms of having less freedoms since 9-11-01. I lost a friend, 9-11-01. Captain, no, uh, well, it's actually a battalion chief, Ray Downey. At that point, he was the godfather of urban search and rescue around the nation. And at that time, I was uh, part of the California Urban Search and Rescue Response System, working with Ray, kind of the godfather of, of USAR, as we called it. And we, we all learned from him. He was a great, great sense of humor, one of those Irishmen, you know, that was just very, uh, very fun to be around. And he was the best at what he did. He, he headed up New York's top uh, urban search and rescue uh, team. And on, on 9-11... Uh, my my buddy, uh, Battalion Chief Ray Downey, was uh, called to the South Tower, and uh, he knew that he had men in there. He saw it was starting to collapse. So Ray Downey went back in the South Tower, knowing it was collapsing, to get as many of his people out as possible. And uh, Ray Downey died as uh, as a result of that going back in trying to get as many citizens and his own rescue team out of there if at all possible now there's a real hero and and these are the the stories you may have never heard of ray downey but he was a friend of mine i've been to uh the the memorial there in new york city i've seen his name engraved in the memorial there and you know it's just a, a lasting effect on me this guy was I think maybe a week or two shy of his 64th birthday. He was uh, 63 years old at the time. And and that is a real hero. You know, we we have cheapened, I think, the word hero in our culture today. Ray Downey was one of the real ones. And so I, I've got a personal thing related to uh, related to 9/11 but I also kind of take it personally that our freedoms in in the context of trying to avoid something like that in the future our freedoms have been drastically reduced have they not you think of the Patriot Act signed by George W Bush on October 26 2001 just a couple of weeks after September 11 you know is uh, designed to let Law enforcement used surveillance and wiretapping to investigate terror-related crimes, to allow federal agents to request court permission to use roving wiretaps to track a specific terrorist suspect. It uh, allows the government to track terrorists for 72 hours after they enter the United States. But we've also seen, as in the FISA warrants, some of that abused. And again, the whole thing, I think, was an error. And of course, I'm looking at it with 2020 vision. But uh, the question I'll, I'll pose to you again is how has 9 11 changed your life? And as Jenna mentioned, 
A lot of us have kids that were either just being born uh, or uh, were very small at the time, and they may not remember what it was like before, but I'm sure many of you do. We'll continue that conversation in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 1360 KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here again, always privileged to be your concierge. For conversation as we take a look at the issues of the day that affect you and me right here in the Central Valley of California. Going to get back to the uh, the effects of, of 9-11 and some interesting comments from Tulsi Gabbard uh, last night. I, I really, I, I don't always agree, obviously, with Tulsi Gabbard, but there are some things I love about her perspectives and uh, I'll bring that to you in just a moment. Before we do that, I love the fall because it means football is here. And uh, in, in particular, college football, NFL as well. By the way, program note uh, today uh, at 4.30 here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It'll be uh, the Denver Broncos taking on the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. And my favorite coach, Pete Carroll. Now, why is he your favorite coach, Mike? Well, because uh, Pete, I thought, was one of the best coaches at the University of Southern California for a long time. I got to see him in action uh, in person. Uh, I just uh, loved his personality and the way he related to the players and such. Anyway, Broncos versus Seahawks today at 430 on uh, AM 1360 KFIV and Fox Sports I got that mixed up. Fox Sports AM 1280 as well. All right. And by the way, USC, not that a lot of you may care, but I do, so I'm going to bring it up. Uh, You know, a decent showing on Saturday uh, playing Stanford. You never know about Stanford. Stanford can can bite you when you you least expect it. And... uh, the Stan- USC won handily over over Stanford, but it was an ugly second half. Uh, USC's defense looked bad. I don't know if it was the heat and they were withering in the heat or what it was, but I'm I'm sure that uh, their new coach Lincoln Riley is going to uh, be talking to the defensive coordinator and uh, his troops about how to tighten that up. They're just bad mistakes. All right. That, enough of football for the moment. Again, my, I love football season. And uh, anyway, all right, enough of my rejoicing over football. Let's get back to uh, a more sobering subject, and that are the after effects of 9-11. Tulsi Gabbard uh, was on, and you know who Tulsi Gabbard is, of course. Uh, former congresswoman served, what, eight years in Congress, uh, also a lieutenant colonel. In the U.S. Army Reserves, a Democrat out of uh, Hawaii. And she was uh, on the next revolution last night and had, I thought, some profound observations to share. Uh, she talked about the importance, and, and this is something that I try to emphasize here in our conversations over and over again, and that is the importance of being able to agree to disagree, the importance of being able to have differing opinions and still walk away and having some respect for each other and even walk away as friends as well. The cancel culture refuses to do that. And the cancel culture, if you don't agree with me, then you need to be destroyed and silenced. But no, 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 that's not the American way. We... We need to be able to articulate differing opinions and to be able to disagree without being too disagreeable in the process. So she uh, talked about that and uh, about the importance of being able to uh, disagree without without demolishing 
each other and by focusing upon the values that we share in America. We can have different views on issues. We can disagree on things. This is America. This is what our marketplace of ideas is about. What we must come together around are these fundamental principles that are enshrined in our Constitution that have to do with our democracy, our freedom of speech, our freedom to worship as we choose, our right to bear arms, our civil liberties, our privacy. These are the things that we have to be able to come together around as Americans. And whether our leaders are doing it or not, it's up to us as Americans to take a stand, exercise our freedom, our right to free speech and hold the line. Wasn't that interesting, especially at the very end? Whether our leaders are doing it or not, it's up to us as Americans to take a stand and exercise our freedom, our right to free speech, and hold the line. I love that. Uh, there, There is nothing she said there that I would argue with. It's up to us to take a stand and exercise our freedom, our right to free speech and and such. And and whether or not our leaders are modeling that. And then she uh, pointed out as well that uh, the radical, and this is so important, the radical ideologies behind the 9-11 attack, those are still alive and well. I'm not sure that our present government really makes people aware of that. Those those ideologies that led to bringing the Twin Towers down, that major terrorist attack and, and the loss of almost 3,000 lives in the process, those ideologies are brewing and simmering, and they are as present and as dangerous today as they were 21 years ago. Here's Tulsi Gabbard again. On this anniversary of the attack on 9-11, we are reminded about what brings us together. And I also just want to mention, Steve, that we must also never forget the attack by these jihadists on this day and remember that this same radical Islamist ideology that drove that attack continues to be the greatest long-term threat that we face and and that faces the world. This same ideology is fueling terrorist groups like Al-Qaeda, ISIS, Boko Haram, and others around the world. And it Mm -hmm. it is the foundation for these radical Islamist governments in countries like Pakistan and Iran and Turkey and Saudi Arabia. And it's something that our short-sighted leaders are ignoring to the peril of the rest of us. Wow. Uh, That's pretty amazing. I I may differ with her in terms of the long-term major threat. I think China is at least as serious a threat, if not a a, a more visible one. That's a a minor point there. Do you hear any national or state leaders really articulating what Tulsi Gabbard just said? Uh, Do you believe, like, She's pointing out that the terrorist threat, the international terrorist threat, is still brewing today, and it is potentially as immediate for today as it was 21 years ago. I'm not sure that we—where's the national focus right now in terms of a lot of leaders and and a lot of the mainstream media? Domestic terrorism, those mega-people— are a threat to the democracy. Donald Trump is a threat to the democracy. Meanwhile, the same ideologies that brought down the Twin Towers and resulted in almost 3,000 deaths on the same day, they're still out there. They're still brewing. And yet, enough time has, has passed, I guess, that a lot of people either weren't around 21 years ago, or they've developed some sort of amnesia where that recollection is is not present. It's not fresh. So how has 9-11 changed our lives? How about lessons learned? Tulsi Gabbard's pointing out, hey, they're still out there, these ideologies. Uh, I'm wondering, a question, are, are we afraid to identify the threat as coming from radical Islam? 
Are we afraid to make that statement? Do we fear saying radical Islam? Are we afraid to say that? Is that why we're not talking about this? What do you think? 209-551-3483. Are we afraid to identify the threat that is still present? The same threat that brought down the Twin Towers and... 2001 do you hear do you hear anybody articulating that i'm i'm worried about the fact that we're 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 making the focus each other we're making the focus donald trump and we're making the focus the mega followers of the, they're the domestic threats the domestic terrorists and things are upside down are they not? And yet, and yet, we continue to see a, a rise in domestic violence. We continue to see headlines over and over and over again about stabbings and shootings, a beheading, for goodness sakes. And my thought here is, I think somewhere along the line, remember those of us who were around in September of 2001, how like when we have national tragedies and emergencies, we all banded together and there was a sense of, of oneness because we had a common thing to deal with and then how that has dissipated over the years. We used to have a, a common thing to stand against to make sure it didn't happen again. And I believe what's happening is we have allowed evil to percolate without being addressed for fear of calling it what it is, for fear of identifying those who are carrying it out. This is a beheading victim. San Carlos, California, 27-year-old mother, victim of a beheading in California last week. Karina Castro was found last Thursday just south of San Francisco. Police discovered her head had been cut off with a sword. And who did it? Her ex-boyfriend and the guy who fathered one of her children, Rafa Solano. Fortunately, he's been arrested but here we go again. He had been violent with her in the past, and he had even, there was even a restraining order she had pulled out against him. And I'm not going to belabor this, but my friends, if we pull a restraining order on someone, if it's that much of a threat to take to the court, we need to abide by the terms of the restraining order in terms of the boundaries that it enforces. I have had so many people that I've mentored or been around over the years who pulled a, pulled a restraining order on a spouse or someone close to them to keep them away, and then, then they relaxed that, and they, they took pity on the person, and, and they said, well, yeah, I, I know there's a restraining order, but, you know, we're... I cut him some slack. No. Had 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 she enforced this, maybe she'd be alive today. You see, the, the, the face of evil is all around us, and we're afraid to call it what it is, and for some reason we're afraid to call things as they are. And we talk about justice, and yet we let guys like this operate given their histories we elect people like george gascone in los angeles and although he was recalled chase of bodine and san francisco where are where did the rationality go where have all the rational people gone long time passing could make a song out of that We'll continue the conversation in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show. 209-551-3483. What do you think are the lasting effects upon you?
of 9-11-2001. We'll be back in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. A pastor with passion. A minister with manners. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And I want to thank you so much for being part of the conversation Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And talking about the lasting effects or lessons learned from 9-11-2001. And uh, producer and I were just communicating. And remember that everybody was, not every, most everyone, at least that I knew, they were flying their flags proudly. And there was this national cohesiveness. But, but we've seen that many times. And, and after time passes, that tends to wane and the politicians begin to worry about being reelected and and I I don't know that we are a much better nation now than we were in September of 2001 in the aftermath one might think it would bring us together and we would strive to create a an even better union. I don't think we've done that. I don't think we've done that. In fact, I think we've strayed away from that. We have, the divisiveness has grown even more. And that is the the debate over whether the Patriot Act had any effect or not. It depends on who you talk to. Back in 2015, I believe, Washington Post had an article where they quoted the Justice Department as saying, quote, FBI agents can't point to any major terrorism cases since they've they've cracked thanks to the key snooping powers in the Patriot Act. So they're saying FBI agents can't point to any major terrorist cases that uh, that that they've identified and stopped thanks to the Patriot Act. However, the Heritage Foundation in 2012 said, well, don't know about that. Heritage Foundation said 50 terrorist attacks have been thwarted since 9-11, 47 being the direct result of the work of law enforcement and intelligence agencies. They said... Patriot Act is essential to helping law enforcement identify leads and preventing attacks. I don't know. Depends on who you believe. I, I think I can tell you one thing that my opinion of the Federal Bureau of, of uh, Investigation and uh, of the Attorney General's Office, the U.S. Attorney General's Office, has changed radically since 9 11 in terms of trust. I, it, it just seems like we're taking so many hits domestically and there's just this force on the far left that is intent on destroying what might have been, oddly enough. And we look at the effects of DAs, again, like Goscone and Bodine and and others. I have to look at the reports this past weekend. Talked about the arrest of the guy who beheaded his former former girlfriend. For goodness sakes! And here's a, a former elementary school principal facing charges of willful cruelty to a minor. Out of uh, Walters Elementary School, down in the Fresno area. Here in Modesto, Floyd and Roselle Avenue, closed for a couple hours yesterday. They found an explosive device on a homeless person. They didn't call him a homeless person. What did they call him? What's the official name now? Anyway, uh, they found a destructive device on him. And what else? Let's see. Saturday night, 
series, a, b- a big wedding reception in series, big fight around 9 p.m., 2400 block of River Road. Modesto Fire Department uh, had a summary report saying deputies brought multiple patients to on-site emergency medical personnel. They had a, a report of possibly people being stabbed. Stabbed. Three people were taken to the hospital for treatment. Uh, multiple people arrested on suspicion of resisting arrest. At a wedding reception. Good night. And here's, here's a guy... Again, in Modesto or maybe in the county area, 3,000 block of North Dakota Avenue near Beckwith in Modesto. Walked out, yelled at some guys to turn down the music they were playing in their car. And what happened? Stabbed him. And he died. What's with that? All right, we'll continue the conversation in... Five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The show you love. Talking about the issues that are important to you. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now every weekday from 3 till 5. On air. And online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here again is your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome back to our number two of the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV on a much cooler day than we were experiencing last week here on this Monday afternoon. A, uh, a quick correction, uh, and unlike major newspapers, uh, if, if there's a clarification to be made, I don't hide it on the uh, 57th page uh, in a place you can't find it. Uh, we, uh, we make sure we correct things if we need to. The man that was pistol-whipped and stabbed after yelling at two men to turn down their radio in their car at Beckwith and Dakota, did not die from his injuries. Uh, he did survive, was able to provide uh, police with uh, a description of two Latino men and a black Cadillac. And But his injuries, multiple stab wounds, and he had an eye injury from being struck by a pistol. So because he asked these guys to turn down their music, They stabbed him multiple times. There you go. We need red flag laws to deal with knife purchases because we're seeing so much knife violence. Anyway, multiple stab wounds and and to boot, apparently they hit him in the eye with uh, a gun. Anyway, I'm glad that he did survive. And uh, the the fatal... uh, incident I was thinking about happened in Manteca. That was early yesterday. And uh, the male victim shot once in Manteca. And uh, the suspect fled the scene, but was later located by officers on, on Main Street. And then another, Stockton. A man dead after getting shot in a motel room in Stockton over this past weekend. Police there say the man was shot inside a motel room on South Wilson Way. And uh, 51 years old, pronounced dead at the scene. So we're, we're not, we're devolving. The, these are evil things, and especially the guy that beheaded his former girlfriend. That's not because he had childhood traumas. That's because he's evil. He's overcome with evil. And yet so often in our culture today, we're unwilling to say, no, no, we, we need to make sure that people who are dangerous to others stay in prison or go through a legitimate rehab program where they demonstrate that they have the capability of safely operating in society. How many times have we seen recently where a suspect has killed or severely injured someone and they have a history of it or that they were were released? Just unreal. Which brings back my point 50 
57 days until the midterms, November 8, 2022. And my encouragement to you is take all this in, mull it over, mix it up, think about it. Do your own research if you'd like. I encourage that. And make an informed vote. Not just a vote because someone has a D or an R. In today's world, my friends, I don't think a D or an R means a whole lot. I don't think an R means what it used to mean. I want to take a look at the people we're electing and what's their history? What have they demonstrated to be their perspectives on the issues of the day about crime? And, and, and we, we must do this intelligently to, to, to just operate with an identity politics anymore. We're, we're going to run the country into the ground, and it may not recover. And as you know, I'm a glass-half-full guy. I am a cautious optimist. By the way, lest some of you get really upset about something you may be perceiving that is incorrect, I am not a, this term now, Christian nationalist. A friend of mine sent me an article about that. Apparently, Michael Gerson with the Washington Post wrote an article within the past week, maybe, about Christian nationalism. And I, the, the danger of that one is the term is murky. Number two, it's used to try to shame or intimidate or force followers of Christ to be quiet and not to engage in politics. That, that's, not, that's not what Christian nationalism is about. I believe that people of faith, regardless of what faith, people of faith need to be involved in the political realm, especially if they're followers of Christ. The The mandate is to be salt and light. Those are the marching orders. Well, you can't be salt and light if, if you don't get salty and you don't shed some light, for goodness sakes. I'm not going to go into that today because I, I, I have some materials on that and I want to present it in a, in a logical way and allow you to weigh in on it. But you see, the, the murkiness of that term is that it's thrown, and banti- thrown around and bantied about today to mean if you are a Christian, shut up when it comes to political issues because you shouldn't be involved. And that's not what it is at all. It is not. Christian nationalism has to do with the equation of America plus Christianity equals Christianity. No, no. Christians in America need to be free to participate in the body politic. But we don't want a state religion. Believe me. As a pastor, I'll reiterate that. We do not want a state religion. We do not want the church, the ecclesia, running the government. Have you ever been to a congregational meeting just to figure out a vote on a small thing? Good night. Don't want that, running the government. But in terms of salt and light... We want people of integrity. We want people of faith to be involved in their government. We want them on school boards. We want them in the uh, legislatures of the state. We want them on city councils and county boards of supervisors. We want them in the U.S. Senate. We want them in the U.S. House of Representatives. We want them in the White House. Why? Because there are values there that are healthy. But let me put it this way. And if I'll, I'll anticipate the, the statement from maybe a few of you. How could you as a pastor and Christian possibly vote for Donald Trump? Because I look at his policies. 
Do I like his tweets? I don't like his tweets. I think they distract. I, I, I think they, they play into the people who are criticizing him. They're looking for him to, to make a public response so that they can keep fanning the fire. I think the tweets are dysfunctional. That's my opinion. But what I look at are his policies. Do I like his policies? Do I like energy independence? Do I like what he did at the border? Yeah. Do I think he would have handled Afghanistan the way he did? No, I don't. But see, that has nothing to do with whether I think he's a Christian or not. Let, Let me draw a corollary here very quickly, and that is... I don't know about you, I've, I've had surgery to remove some high-grade cancer cells out of my body. And I went to UCSF to have that done by one of their premier surgeons over there. And I don't know where he's at in terms of his faith. But let me put it this way. If I have to have that operation done by a Christian who has lost patients 90% of the time, I don't want him operating on me. Versus if there's an atheist who is very good at what he does and the survival rate is out of this world positive, I'll go to the atheist. Why? Because they're good at their job. See, we get into the identity politics type thing and whether the identity is Christianity or whether the identity is Democrat or Republican or whether the identity is liberal or conservative or whether the identity is LGBTQ, what is it now, preceded by 2S, I can't keep up with it, or whether the identity, whatever the identity might be, that's going to drive this nation into the ground. We need to operate on knowledge of merit and expertise and effectiveness. But we don't. So much of today is wrapped up in identity politics. And that's to the detriment of the country. Anyway, a couple of rabbit trails there of of Christian nationalism. We'll talk about that uh, in in coming days. I want to get a little more specific about... um, uh, Mr. Gerson's article, I, I think it was uh, in error in a lot of ways, but I want to explain why. All right, uh, Emmy Awards tonight. Let's go from the sublime to the ridiculous or vice versa. Anybody watching the Emmy Awards, raise your hand. I don't see any. I don't see many. I'm, I'm not going to watch them. No. Uh, might tune in the Denver, Denver Broncos and Seattle Seahawks. You can hear them here in, in, uh, at 4.30, not too many minutes from now, on AM 1360 KFIV and Fox Sports AM 1280. That's coming up in a couple of minutes. Also coming up in a couple of minutes, also going to uh, talk about what's going on in Iran and the danger there. That coming up in three minutes on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Our phone number 209-551-3483. Been talking about lessons learned or the lasting effects of 9-11-2001 in our lives. Here's... uh, Here's, uh, I guess it's tangentially related. President Biden is working on an Iran deal. Now, what's concerning about to me is what's in the Iran deal and Iran itself. Now, Dr. Peter Brooks is a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation. He's also the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for the Bush administration. And uh, he's looking at this possible deal with Iran that's brewing. He says, we don't know exactly what's in the current deal. They're being very closed-lipped about it, both in Washington and Europe and in Iran, as well as in other capitals that are involved in it. 
He says if it's just a rehash of the 2015 deal, it's going to be kicking the can down the road. Here's the important thing, which will allow Iran, which he thinks has nefarious intentions, to one day join the once-exclusive club of nuclear weapons states. What don't we get about Iran? What don't we get about it? It's just, just, well, again, 57 days, put, put that issue into the melting pot of your things to consider and keep it in mind, not only in November 2022, but especially in November 2024. And is, <laughs> here's some more good news. Just saw this uh, prior to um, coming on air today. Apparently, there are two labor disputes, two big ones that are brewing at the moment. I think of the that, that time in 2001 when we all banded together, we were all rowing in the same direction, and we're all waving our flags. Well, here we got two labor disputes with railroads and ports, and it has the it has the potential for just really convoluting our supply chains. And the White House is scrambling apparently to do something about it. Does that does that give you confidence? Uh, BNSF, Union Pacific, and CSX unions representing 115,000 workers are trying to negotiate and arrive at a deal before this Friday. They say if the rails grind to a halt, it could leave us to our nation's trucking system to pick up the slack, which it probably is not in condition to do, especially with gas or diesel prices being what they are. A shutdown of the nation's rail system is estimated to cost us $2 billion, with a B, $2 billion a day. And we've already seen, remember the backed-up ports during the uh, the pandemic and such? I, the, where's the work ethic here? Here we have 8.5% inflation. We already have supply line problems, supply chain problems. And I'm looking at these unions and I'm thinking, where's your spirit of let's just get the job done and maybe make some sacrifices if we have to, to recover from the effects of this present recession and the eight and a half percent inflation rate. Don't care. It's all about us. It's all about our contracts. I'm I'm not opposed to negotiations at all, but we're in a mess right now in this country. We're we're in a state of deterioration. Our supply chain is horrible. Gas and diesel prices are way above where they used to be. We are intentionally gutting the gas and oil industry. We're in bad shape. And they want to shut down the railroads, the unions, to the tune of possibly costing us $2 billion a day. Does this make any sense to you at all? Does it make any sense to you at all? I'm, I'm befuddled by this at a timeline. And I'm wondering if I saw a special last night on a, a place in Newfoundland an airport there called a place called Gander. And uh, at the time of 9-11, the U.S. was bringing big planes to this little place in Newfoundland because they couldn't land in the U.S. And the people of Gander rose up. They fed about 7,000 people that were stranded in their city, took care of them, and five days after it was all over and, and the people started to return to Europe or 
They returned to other destinations so they could get back to the United States. The people of Gander said, it seems like we're losing family members. That's the spirit. Where's the spirit of the unions? Where's the the spirit of helping stay the course to make America work? I don't know. I don't know. What I do know, a lot of fun's coming up in just a couple of seconds. Yep, it's the Denver Broncos at the Seattle Seahawks as we kick off the NFL season here on AM 1360 KFIV. You'll also hear it on Spock. Fox Sports AM 1280. All that coming up on AM 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.